Om Namo Narayan 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 I bow to Lord Narayana. I bow to him in each of you, because you are all manifestations of that same one God. And you know, being a disciple of a great guru did not limit me, expanded my love. It isn't that I thought I only know God in this form. He helped me to see it in every blade of grass and to bow to that God in everyone. And he was that way. He set that example. And one of the frustrating things about giving this program is that it happens again and again. I don't prepare my programs. I just talk, but somehow I seem to intuit what I'm going to be doing next because I just talked yesterday about just what I'm going to read to you today. How frustrating, but I've got this book all prepared with sayings, and I want to use only this book as the foundation, and the book ends up just perfectly for 365 days. So you're stuck with hearing the same thing, but it's after all a beautiful truth all the same. And uh, this is saying from Conversations with Yogananda, number 141. The master remarked during his later years, to my first generation of students, I didn't say much about a vegetarian diet. It was too unusual then for the people in this country, meaning America. Diet was secondary in importance anyway to the teachings of yoga. For the next generation, I recommended that they eat less meat. Most of them, on an average, became healthier. For this third generation, I've recommended a completely vegetarian diet and find that of the three groups, the present one is the most healthy. I don't care much, however, for that word vegetarian. Too many people are fanatics on the subject. I've coined what I consider a better word, proper-etarian. And he just wanted us to eat properly, and that sometimes meant eating according to the needs of the moment. Uh, if you had to either eat meat or starve to death, he would certainly say, eat meat. It's not that important. I talked last time about the necessity for getting away from these kind of superstitious ideas of uh, this can make you impure, that can make you impure. Forget that. The most important thing, yes, you follow your customs. I'm not trying to take you away from them. But remember, the most important thing is to have a pure heart. What is a pure heart? Well, I said love God. It also means a heart. What is impure? If I get my hands full of earth, they're dirty. But the earth builds uh, uh, grows vegetables, the earth grows fruit trees. There's nothing wrong with earth. It's not dirty or impure where it belongs as soil. 
dirt doesn't belong or earth doesn't belong on my hands, therefore we call it impure, we call it dirt. So impurity means that which does not belong in your heart. What does not belong in your heart is desires for that which will take you away from who you are instead of toward it. So the more impure desires are called tamasic desires. There is tamasic food, like stale food, excessively spicy food, food that is, is uh, um, well pungent, excessively pungent, and overcooked food. These things where there's no life in it, you're just getting bulk but no energy. This is a tamasic diet. Um, sat, uh, rajasic diet is that which energizes you. And there are certain foods like garlic and onions and so on which make you more ener energized. I think that in this very rajasic age, if you have to deal with businessmen and everything, then there's nothing wrong with, diet, uh, of, with a diet of garlic and onion because that helps to... You have to be somewhat rajasic to deal with a rajasic world. If you're able to live in the uh, forests or in a distant ashram in the desert or whatever, and if you can um, really be completely sattvic in your attitudes and diet, then that's good. But you can't do that in the cities. So you have to make that compromise. Just don't make too much of a compromise. Then sattvic diet, of course, is fresh food, it's fruits, fruits that, things that grow up above the ground primarily. All of these things are uh, good for you, but in the long run, even they don't matter. Purity is not just diet. Purity is those things which take you toward God, which is not just food. I have known many demonic people, or perhaps that's not the right word, but not spiritual people, who are uh, very careful about their diet, but they aren't careful about their hearts. What is a really... What, it, what really makes impurity is unkindness, meanness. People who can be rude to others don't, don't imagine that God is pleased. If you cannot win people, you will not be able to win God's love. This is what my guru said. You must have that kind of love that sees him in all. And no matter how people treat you, they may be rude to you. You don't have to be rude to them. It's much better just remain quiet. Uh, to act out of vengeance, to act out of, uh, to retort and be, I used to enjoy clever retorts just because it, uh, it was fun to be clever, not because I wanted to hurt anybody. And I remember saying to somebody, how can you be happy with a face like that? This is long before I met my guru. Well, of course he got angry. I meant it. I, I was really feeling deeply sympathetic for him because I saw that his face was unhappy and I realized that with that kind of unhappiness in his features, it meant he couldn't be happy inside. But I didn't phrase it quite well enough, nor should I have phrased it at all. But you see, when you're not thinking these ways, then you can say things, I didn't mean it unkindly. And because of that, he got upset, but couldn't get angry with me. Nonetheless, it is such a, an easy thing to say something um, something, well, like uh, Dorothy Parker and some other woman. Um, the other woman said, age before beauty, offering Dorothy Parker uh, the way in first. And uh, what was her answer? 
um, oh, I can't remember. It was a very clever answer. Um, I'm sorry. You see, I've launched off and didn't uh, find myself without a bathing suit in the water. Um, the, the point is that many people, and Dorothy Parker was a very good example of this, they are mean, not because they're mean, they like to be clever, but they hurt people's feelings. Don't be sarcastic. Be kind. Don't, as my guru used to say, don't, uh, like the fly, don't settle like the flies, uh, the flies of sarcasm settling on the wounds of others. Don't do that. The important thing in life is to see God everywhere and therefore to respect him in all. And sometimes they will take advantage of you. It doesn't matter. The important thing is that you be clear in your own heart. How people respond, sometimes people have taken advantage of me, but I feel I owe it to my own conscience. And if they misunderstand me, okay. If they think that I'm being uh, harsh, I'm not being harsh. Sometimes I have to be frank. That's different. See that the feelings in your heart are clear. To, be ha to have a pure heart means not to wish anything that will not take you closer to God, because everything else is impure in the sense that your only reality ultimately is God. And anything short of that reality will keep you away from Him. Why do people wander for so many incarnations? Because they think of everything but God. When you love, when you pray to God, I went, I was perhaps the only white man ever allowed, or at least perhaps the first one, allowed into the Vishnupad temple in Gaya. <coughs> and they, for some reason, did let me in. But later I was meditating, and later the priest said to me, well, let me ask you a question. What, what do you pray for when you meditate? You didn't understand what this was all about. And I said, well, I pray for God's love. I pray to be liberated. I pray for uh, everyone to be enlightened, as it is in, says in the Gayatri Mantra. And he said, oh, how beautiful. I said, what do you mean, beautiful? Isn't that what we should all pray for? He says, well, nobody prays for that. You ask them. They, I, they, they come to the temple and pray for job, wife, husband, children, power, fame. That's what people pray for. That's impure. Why is it impure? Well, it keeps the world going on, but it keeps you going on in the world. That's not much fun. Your duty, ultimately, is to know who and what you are. You were born in this world for one purpose only, to know yourself. This was what the ancient Greeks used to teach, know thee falton, know thyself. And too many people think that means, well, I've got to know me, I've got to know my personality. That is not you. You are that soul behind the personality which will finally realize that it is a manifestation of the infinite Lord. So, when you pray to God, ask Him for things if you like. There's nothing wrong with it. But always ask Him above all for His love. And if you pray with that kind of love, you will see that He answers. And if you pray to Him sincerely, He may not always give you what you want, but He will give you what is good for you. I have seen again and again that what I wanted would not have been the right thing. And what I was pushed into, <coughs> though it wasn't what I wanted, 
was just the right thing for me. When you live for God, He will take over. He will take charge of your life and show you what, uh, what you should do in order to find Him. Sometimes it's a difficult path. Sometimes we don't want to be tested. Sometimes we don't want to be ill or uh, lose what we've had and so on. Remember, if you live for Him, He knows best. If you don't live for Him, karma takes over and you have no choice anyway. But when you live for Him and give everything up to Him, then you will find that in miraculous ways, even those things that were disastrous in a sense by your former definition at least, takes you closer to joy, takes you closer to freedom. These are, uh, this is the way to God. Purity of heart means above all to love only Him. That doesn't mean not to love other people. That doesn't mean to not be kind to other people. I've seen a lot of people on the spiritual path being indifferent in their treatment of others and being willing to be unkind to others, thinking that they're completely dedicated to the truth. If you're unkind to others, you're being unkind to God in them. Therefore, as I said, if you love God, you will not find him <clears throat> if you can be unkind to other people. Now, this does not mean not to have a good sense of humor. This does not mean not to be able to laugh. It doesn't mean to pull a long face and be solemn all the time. In fact, my guru could laugh till he had to wipe the tears out of his eyes. It was delightful to be with him because you saw that his joy was both overt and in inward. And uh, so he would tell jokes that would have you rolling in the aisles practically, and yet um, still it always led you toward an appreciation for the joy, the sheer delight of God. God's joy does not make you solemn. It makes you so, so full of joy that you may not show it outwardly because it's a deep thing. But in that joy, you will feel that uh, all is an expression of joy. You don't find many people joyful, but that joy is everywhere, and it's just it will have to come out sooner or later. So many times in the songs that I've written, for example, I've written some humorous songs. And of course, my purpose ultimately in these songs, I've called an album of them Philosophy in, jo in Song. The, the teaching of Vedanta, which I, is what I try to express through my songs, is also full of joy. And you will notice that many Great saints have a delightful sense of humor. So, when you laugh with others, laugh with your heart, but don't laugh sarcastically. Don't laugh at anyone. Laugh with people. Laugh as you would laugh at yourself. They are your friends. And in that way, you know, years ago when I was learning to write music, it was an interesting experience for me because somebody had told me I should meet a certain man called Larry Hanks, and that he would be a perfect person to teach me how to play the guitar to accompany myself with my songs. And I was in a singing group in another city, um, and I looked at the man, and I thought, that's Larry Hanks. And I went to him, and I said, what is your name? And he said, Larry Hanks. I said, well, you're supposed to teach me the guitar. So he did. But he was a very good guitarist, and he, could very, he was very good at teaching, but he could not somehow 
relate to my kind of music. And one day he said to me, you know, your songs are charming, they're delightful, there are all sorts of things that are nice, but that isn't what life is like. Life is full of meanness and suffering and people are being uh, cruel to one another and so on. So I thought, well, I'll try to write a blues for him. So I went home and tried to uh, write a blues, but I failed. And I had to call it the non-blues. So when I saw him again, I sang this song to him, and he, he enjoyed it, but he didn't change his ways. He still thought that life is mean and cruel and suffering and so on. Anyway, he was a good guitar teacher, and I had not come to him to learn philosophy, so it didn't really matter. Anyway, I would like to sing this song to you, and uh, if my accent is a bit of a shock, just go along with the fun of it, because I sing it the way people usually do sing blues. It's called the non-blues. Joy to you. Dare to be different, dare to be free, dare to roam far like wind on the sea, fly like a gull, soar high on the air, be strong in your courage when others despair. Never in anger, never in haste, go without pride, be never abased. Freedom is yours, if freedom you'll give, to all give it freely, in freedom you'll live. Mountains that stand up tall to the sky, tell us no dreaming is ever too high. Dare to defy them, brave that high peak, you'll never know failure, if bravely you seek. Dare to be different, dare to be free, dare to roam far like wind on the sea, fly like a gull, soar high on the air, be strong in your courage when others despair.